Welcome to the Girl on Top Shallon XO podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel, where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here on the podcast, I answer the best questions you submitted over the past week. Gotta love quandary? Head to my website, shallonlester.com, to get connected, and also shop my merch and take some fun quizzes. Be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it, and follow me on Instagram at ShallonXO, and find me on YouTube for four new videos a week. Welcome back to the podcast, Shalloners, and it's weird times, right? It's like super weird, dark, confusing times, but it's also... I mean, I saw a meme the other day that was like, we've been saying forever that we just want days on end to Netflix and chill. And then the second someone gives it to us, it's like, you're not going to keep me from my God-given right to go outside and lick everything. And like, wow, isn't that true? So let's try to reframe this as much as we can. Instead of being quarantined, locked down, social distancing, shelter in place, this is a time of renewal. This is a time of growth that we might not get at another point in our lifetime. You know, I mean, I hope to God we don't get faced with another pandemic. And realistically, if we do, it's probably going to be worse or it's going to be some sort of weird war, zombie apocalypse. So this should be a time that we find a silver lining in. This should be something that we make the best out of. And this should be a time for rest. And usually we start the podcast and we do our deep breathing and we do the belly breathing. And we're going to do that. But we're also going to come up with a different mantra, right? And I talked about, I did a live stream today where we made vision boards. You can check it out. It's living now on my YouTube channel. And I'm going to be doing some more live streams during this COVID crisis. But I was saying that a mantra that I love is, thank you for my healing. So let's try that. But before we get into it, let me tell you why I have this as my mantra. This comes from a Joel Osteen sermon. And I know, whatever, if you're not a Christian, who who gives, who cares? It's not, it's not what it's about. Joel says that it's crucial to thank the blessings before they arrive. And if you think about it, and I always use this metaphor um, in terms of manifestation and stuff like that, is sitting at a restaurant and manifesting something into your life, something positive, is like ordering. When you go to a restaurant, the hardest part is deciding what you want, right? You know, you hem and haw over the menu. And then you make your choice and you tell the waitress. You say, I'm going to have the burger. Thank you. Why do you say thank you? Because you know it's on its way, right? You know it's coming. You don't have to go back in the kitchen and kick over the pots and pans and who's working on my burger? You know it's coming. You have faith. And so our regular lives have to be like that too, especially in this crisis. So when I feel myself getting all twisted and dark about everything, and then I'm like, do I have corona? Do I have a dry cough? No, you just bit into a jalapeno and your spicy skinny margarita. That's why you're coughing. I give myself the mantra that Joel Osteen came up with, which is, thank you for my healing. He wants you to claim the blessings before they arrive. Thank you for my riches. Thank you for my health. Thank you for my good report card. Thank you for my promotion. Thank you for my abundance. Thank you for my healing. And when I tell myself this, I feel my whole body relax. So let's try it. Let's take our deep breath in and we're going to hold it for a few seconds. And in. And out. Ooh, yeah. We're going to loosen that jaw. We're going to relax our ears, drop the shoulders down. And now we're going to do a breath in and we're going to say to ourselves, 
Thank you for my healing. When? In. Here we go. Thank you for my healing. Thank you for my healing. Don't you feel better? I do. Now let's talk about fuckboys. All right. Our first question comes from Cammy. So her title was New Boundaries, Old Relationship. She said, Shallon, I fangirled when you reposted my necklace on Instagram. She had a necklace that said warm-blooded, the dopest thing I've ever seen. I even told my merch team, I was like, we got to figure out a way to make these. Anyway, she said, my fiance and I have been together for almost seven years. And basically, I set really crappy boundaries. But I am new and improved, thanks to you and your advice. But I don't know how to set new boundaries in this old relationship without making this huge issue out of it. My fiance is supportive, but also a stubborn guy. So I don't want to make, so I'm sorry, I want to make gradual changes since I've basically given him the option of treating me like a doormat for seven years, even though he mostly doesn't. I love you and thank you for all that you do. So first of all, hashtag proud that you feel new and improved and that you're realizing your boundaries weren't where they should be, right? But I don't think this is something you should be pussyfooting around. It's all well and good to set boundaries, but the key is to communicate them, right? Otherwise, they just really exist in your mind. And then when people breach them, we feel resentful and furious with ourselves because it's like we never had any boundaries to begin with because we didn't convey them. And again, we're mad at ourselves for that, right? Or we just sort of expect people to like magically intuit what we need and what we won't accept. The hard part about building a fence isn't deciding where you want it to go. It's hammering the wood together, stringing the barbed wire, and putting it up, right? Same thing with emotional boundaries. I think if you want to marry this person, marriage is honesty. Marriage is not diplomacy. Marriage isn't gradual rolling out of behaviors. Marriage is, if you leave your towels on the bed one more goddamn time, I'm going to, I'm going to key your car. Marriage is honesty. So I would sit him down and tell him what you told me. I feel like I'm coming into my own and I've changed and I've grown up and therefore the kind of relationship I need has to evolve as well. Here is what I need and here are things that I won't accept. Let's talk about it, right? And if he has problems with it, well, girl, you know what I say about people who are mad at your boundaries. They benefited from you having none at all. And the hardest part about boundaries is really walking in the light of the truth on who doesn't want us to have them. Because we don't want to see that. We want to believe that everyone has our best interest in mind. But that is not always the case. As someone who has been through a divorce, oh my God, I wished I had walked in the light of the truth instead of walked down the aisle. You know, nothing changes when you get married. Nothing. Nothing is easier. Nothing is magically ironed out. If anything, every issue you have, it gets worse because you feel more anxious and more resentful because now you feel stuck and you are. It's a lot easier to call off a wedding than to get a divorce. Believe me. So say, tell him all this and see what he says. You know, it's easy for someone to be supportive when nothing affects them. We really see what someone is made of when, you know, their life has to shift a little bit. Everyone can be like blindly supportive of you if they're still getting what they want and they still get to behave however they want. But if you're like, no, behavior X, Y, and Z is going to change, maybe he's not supportive at all. Maybe he's kind of a dick. Stubborn is not acceptable, you know? 
as I get older, it's like when you're a kid, it's like, I'm stubborn. I don't eat my peas. When you're an adult, you want to be stubborn. That means you don't care about anyone but yourself. You don't want to hear differing points of view. You don't want to hear why it doesn't work for your wife or your girlfriend. You just want what you want what you want. That's a child. Like I said, I don't want to eat my peas. We're not about to parent men who aren't our son, right? So put it out there. Don't roll it out gradually. Be like, hey, this is the new world order and see what kind of writing gets thrown on the wall. And like I said, see it. Because that truly is the hard part. Reading the writing. Maybe he'll surprise you. Maybe this will be a kick in the pants for him and maybe it won't. But let things go where they need to go. And now that you have found your perfect alignment and vibration, cut out anything and anyone that throws you off of that. Ileana submitted this next question. I think you guys are going to understand. She said, my boyfriend and his ex-friend with benefits, Violet, there's something going on there. He claims it's friendship, but I don't think so. He said he never wanted her as a girlfriend, and I told him I'm not comfortable with him seeing her. He was hiding the fact that he was in contact with her. I confronted him, and he said that he's done with it, and then did it again. I went on a trip abroad, and guess what? He called her. He said it seemed like a good opportunity to talk to her and told her not to text him because of me possibly seeing the messages. But he didn't cheat. I made him call her in front of me and ask when precisely was the last time they had sex, so I know. So what I don't know is what exactly is going on here. What is going on here is that you have a boyfriend who does not give a fuck about how you feel. That's what's going on here. That's the bottom line. She is just a symptom of this issue right? We encountered this dynamic a lot in our lives where we have a person who's telling us that what we want and what we need in a relationship come a very, very distant second to what they want, right? And sometimes that priority is work. Sometimes it's their overbearing mother. And sometimes it is just their own bottomless need for attention. And that's what's going on with him. He's not letting her go because he likes basking in the glow of her adoration. And make no mistake, this girl is probably stone cold in love with him and hissing all sorts of poisonous things in his ear about you. Do you know how I know that? Because I talked to her and or I talked, <laughs> no, I haven't talked to her, but I've talked to girls in her position where it's like, he's got some girlfriend and blah, blah, blah. They're bad for each other. And I'm like, okay, well, you're the mistress. You're the side chick. You're the interloper in their relationship. You don't have a leg to stand on here, sweetheart. You know? They're not friends. Because, like I said, talk to girls like that all the time. And they're always seething and scheming for ways to get their fuck buddy to feel differently about them. My theory is this. If I tell a guy that a certain behavior hurts my feelings, not like, don't you do that. Like, you hurt me when you do this. And it's having X, Y, and Z effect on our relationship and then he keeps doing it, I have to tell myself and walk in the light of the truth that he is doing it on purpose. Maybe not consciously. Maybe he doesn't have some sort of plan that he's executing. But so what? A drunk driver doesn't have a plan to hit someone and kill them. That doesn't mean it's not possible. So when I see someone that is blatantly ignoring what I want and what I need and choosing something that makes me feel disrespected and unsafe in this relationship... The writing is on the wall. You told him he has to choose and he won't. So that's the answer, right? He has given you an answer. Are you listening to it? Unfortunately, 
you are the one who is going to have to make a choice and walk away from this. I don't think he thinks you will walk away. Otherwise, he probably would be respecting your wishes, right? Sometimes it is crucial to give a man a big dose of what he thinks he wants. He wants to keep talking to this hoe? Fine. Bye. You're out the door. Go for it. You don't want to be her, her boyfriend? You don't want her as a girlfriend? Well, tough shit. You don't need to be disrespected by this, like this, by someone who's showing you their true colors. He doesn't get to have his cake and eat her too. This next question comes from Charlotte. She says, I'm a 48-year-old attractive woman who's been in a weird mm, situationship with a 31-year-old guy. I'm really attracted to him, but it's like basically just sex. There's no dating or anything. He's got this boyish charm and intelligence that ugh, I just feel like it's my downfall. But he likes to dress up in my panties and have me put makeup on him. Am I like crazy. I'm a successful established woman. I own a home, but I can't help but feel like I want more. Should I just run as fast as I can away from this guy? But we do have a connection. Is he a fuckboy? What's going on here? Ooh, so I've been in this situation, minus the panties, almost all of us have, and it's kind of a difference between eating Skittles and eating a salad. Like, eating candy is fun, but not for very long. You feel this exciting thrill that you're doing something naughty, something indulgent, something fun. But then that flips really quickly and you sort of start to feel sick to your stomach. And then you realize, mm, all right, inhaling this bag of candy at the gas station was, yes, exciting. But now I sort of need something that's truly going to nourish me. And you make that correction. You don't just double down and buy 10 more bags of candy and sit in your car and eat them like a psychopath. And if you do, you don't wonder why you feel sick. You're very aware of why. And sometimes boys are like that too, right? This guy was a bag of Skittles fun, stimulating, but not something that's going to feed you and give you what you need. 99% of the questions I get are from girls. I've told you this. I say this everyone, every time. It doesn't come down to, I didn't know this was the reality of this person or the situation. It comes down to, I knew and I chose to ignore it. And I kind of think that's the point you're at right now. It's almost impossible for us to sleep with someone for any length of time and not attach ourselves. We're hardwired to bond. It's our greatest gift as women, but we can't have that turned against us and get attached to someone who isn't going to be what we need. And like, this is a Skittles dude. So I would cut him off, but I would be upfront about it and be like, look, this has been super fun, but I'm at the point where I want a more stable relationship in my life. And be prepared for the fact that he's going to try to manipulate manipulate you into staying in this dynamic because hey this works for him he's got a hot older chick always the dream right but he doesn't really have to have any sort of commitment and you're very tolerant of his shall we say idiosyncrasies remember the devil never lets you just walk out of hell you have to escape and the situations here are the same you're gonna have to say your piece cut him off and then actually stick to your guns and Yes, you're going to be a little bit bored and a little bit of a lull and a little bit lonely while you date around, get back on Tinder, all that stuff, and find someone who you truly do match with. But that's the necessary sacrifice to find something that truly does feed you. It's okay to be a little bit hungry when you're waiting for your salad to arrive. Katie submitted this question. She said, I want to be a partner, not a parent. Lately in my relationship, I've been getting mad at the little things that I very much know I should not be mad at. Thinking about it more, I feel like I'm getting mad at the lack of control I have. I don't want to control this guy, though. You know, I want to accept my boyfriend as an individual person, not my property. 
It was fantastic in the beginning, and he hasn't changed any of his loving actions from then to now. But I've just been getting so upset lately, like, I want to make him do more. And I've been trying not to get mad and micromanage him and our relationship and be a healthy partner again, but I just don't know how. Hmm. I think it's natural to feel like this in a long-term relationship because those healthy boundaries start to blur, right? You spend more time around someone. Your lives become more enmeshed, and that means we feel a greater responsibility and therefore a greater sense of control over somebody. Have you ever known someone who's owned an Australian Shepherd? And have you ever gone over to their house for a party? If you have, you know where this analogy is going. An Australian Shepherd will try to herd you. They'll nip at your heels if you're out in the patio and try to like corral you to one corner of the yard or something because an Australian Shepherd has to herd something. They're hardwired to do it. It's in their blood. And we get like that too, right? We need healthy tasks in our life so we don't focus too myopically on one person. Like otherwise, it's like, I got to hurt something. I'm going to hurt my boyfriend. So I would say maybe look around your life and see what other areas actually do need your attention. Because I was getting like this with my ex-boyfriend. I was starting to micromanage him and parent him. And that's because I was avoiding managing my career. I wasn't working out. I wasn't seeing my friends as much and devoting energy to socialization and that kind of thing. He wasn't the problem. I mean, he was, but that's a whole different story. But like, and your boyfriend doesn't sound like the problem necessarily either. It sounds like a matter of disproportionate energy expenditure in your life. Basically, you got to keep yourself so busy, you don't have time to herd him. And you don't have the desire to obsess about what your boyfriend is doing and nitpick. That is crucial to the health of any relationship, right? And we can't start to normalize that Australian shepherd mentality. So maybe start a brand new hobby together. Start one on your own. Look at your career and ask yourself if you can set some fresh new goals that you can start to pursue. Get involved in something physical. Train for a 5K. Commit to doing Pilates every other day. It's going to give you a greater sense of control over your life, and therefore, you won't feel so interested in managing his. So Stephanie sent this question, and I know you girls this age are going to relate. She said, I recently graduated from a super competitive private university feeling lost and insecure about my abilities. I'm a first generation minority graduate and during my time at this university, I just felt isolated and like an imposter. My dream is to become a journalist and the cutthroat nature of my university and the journalism industry has led me to feel a lot of anxiety about pursuing this profession. I've decided to take a bit of a break and really process my thoughts. How do I get over the feelings of bitterness and anxiety I feel towards my experience at school and my fear of this industry? So first of all, your feelings about school, you created. It doesn't sound like you form those feelings based on any sort of logic, you know? Like, it doesn't sound like it was based on data. It was based on your projection of your own insecurities. You felt like an imposter, so you decided that's how people saw you, and that's not true. And I've heard this a lot from, like, you know, immigrants who are the first one, or not immigrants, but fa- from families of immigrants who are the first one in their family to go to college. So it's like, You don't sit around the dinner table and hear from dad and his experience at Harvard or, you know, U of A or whatever it might be. It's like you're you're in uncharted waters. And every explorer feels this way. Every journey of exploration is scary, right? And every explorer stops and is like, the fuck am I doing? Who do I think I am? Who do I think I am? But what you're feeling is very normal. What you're feeling 
everyone feels looking at the entirety of a journey or a goal, right? The secret of life is that anything worth doing or achieving is hard. From raising kids to writing a book to winning an election, it's hard. If these things were easy, they wouldn't be special. They wouldn't have value. But it's important to look at all of the hard and special things you have already done, girl. From learning to drive. I mean, that's a big deal, right? A lot of people simply don't. I live in New York City. I know a ton of people don't know how to drive. To going off to college when, like I said, that's not been your family's history. And I'm sure there's been a thousand things in between. So you sit down and you make that list. Seriously, you make a bullet-pointed list of everything you have achieved from the big to the small that not everyone does achieve. The fact of the matter is, yeah, journalism is hard. Every industry is hard. Every industry that's worth being in is hard. It's cutthroat. It's all tricky. I don't care if you work at fucking Starbucks. You're going to encounter tricky cutthroat dynamics. So why not go for your dream? Okay, if work's going to be hard no matter what, why not be working at something you love? Why not be working towards a path that matters to you? Why not get on that path that you truly yearn for? Because trust me, girl, I've seen many Many friends take what they thought was the easy career path at the time, and they put their actual dream, which ironically was also journalism, on the back burner. And yeah, true, while I was walking that sticky, difficult journalism path, they were getting promotions, they were getting raises, they could afford the purses I couldn't. Outwardly, it looked like they were having a much easier time, but they were miserable. And it became this this vicious cycle They couldn't quit their job because they were making money so that they could go on vacation to make their job tolerable that they had to go to to make money to go on vacation, just around and around and around like this hamster wheel. And that only got worse. It never got better because what are you going to be like 28, 31 and be like, I'm going to be an intern now. No, you're not. You get married. You have kids. You have a mortgage. You have a dog. You have a car. You don't get to push the reset button. It's I mean, you can, but it's a lot harder. So you think it's hard now? Girl, people like that, they're in for a world of hurt. My point is, do the hard thing. Because the hard thing may be hard, but it's satisfying. I went to bed every night, yeah, exhausted, poor in the beginning, but satisfied because I knew I was doing what I was meant to be doing. I felt self-actualized. I felt proud of myself because I was living authentically. Be brave. Trust and believe that you did not come this far only to come this far. Well, that's it for this episode of Girl on Top. Thanks for being part of the Chalantourage. If you have a love question you need some help with, find me on my website, shallonlester.com, and be sure to connect with me on Instagram at shallonxo and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Stay sweet, stay savage. Stay savage.